Earlier this year, Gardaí announced that the case of Annie McCarrick's disappearance had been upgraded to a murder inquiry. In this episode, from May, we hear what prompted this development and what it might mean for the investigation. With the Annie McCarrick case now upgraded from missing person to a murder inquiry, Gardaí say there is a strong prospect the case could be significantly advanced or even solved. Two men who were interviewed in 1993 about the 26-year-old New Yorker's disappearance are of particular interest. Irish Times crime and security editor Conor Lally explains the thinking that has pushed this cold case, the subject of so much speculation for decades, back into the headlines. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, after 30 years, could the disappearance of Annie McCarrick be finally solved? Annie McCarrick was a young American woman who first came to Ireland to study in 1987 and then returned to live and work in Dublin in 1993. On March 26th of that year, shortly after arriving back in Ireland, she disappeared. Connor, do you have any sense that the Gardaí have significant new information or is it more that this investigation is looking at old evidence with fresh eyes? Well, they're certainly looking at old evidence with fresh eyes, that's for sure. Whether they have a very potent piece of new information, we simply don't know that. That hasn't emerged publicly at this time anyway. And the honest answer is we just don't know at the moment. What we do know is that they that they are going back over old evidence, as you say, with a fresh pair of eyes. There were a lot of people spoken to at the time, people who knew her well, people who hardly you know knew her at all. And I suppose from that very large group of people, there are two men now that the Garda inquiry is focusing on. They are being treated as suspects at the moment. Now, we have to stress there's nothing proven against them and they are just, you know, suspects, persons of interest in the inquiry at the moment. But certainly the focus on them is the big thing now with the Garda inquiry and they will be spoken to again. Anybody who provided them with things like alibi evidence at the time will be certainly spoken to by the guards again. And these two men are the focus of the inquiry at the moment anyway. Because don't the guard they always say, you know, in the passage of time, people who gave alibis may feel differently. That's right. And I mean, obviously, I mean, Annie McCarrick was 26 years old at that stage. She had a very, you know, kind of vibrant, active social life and all of that, as a lot of people who are that age do. Um, and maybe somebody you are, you know, going out with when you were 26, you are not with them Mm. 30 years later. So are there people like that around those two men who were around those two men 30 years ago and now haven't been in contact with them for years or fallen out with them or whatever? Would they stand over a statement that they gave, you know, 30 years ago that clearly helped either of the men? Such as saying... They were with them in their own home, you know, overnight, some nights when they actually weren't and, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, that will certainly be one one avenue that the inquiry will go down and then interviews with the two men as well. But as I say, have they got a really breakthrough piece of information? We simply don't know. And that's the honest answer. What do we know for certain about what happened on that day? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that day is, 
you know, there's quite a few versions of that day, if you like, which have been very widely reported and, you know, repeatedly reported down the years. So I suppose if we go back, what do we know for certain? I suppose the last thing we know for absolute certain is that Annie McCarrick went to the AIB branch in Sandymount uh, that day. She was picked up on, you know, very clear uh, CCTV images in the branch. And beyond that, we don't know much else about what happened to her, to be perfectly honest. We know she bought groceries that day because when she vanished and when her apartment was checked, the groceries she bought were actually still in the bags in the apartment. So it certainly seemed to the guards back then that, you know, she left the groceries there in the bags, uh, you know, as the guards would say, obviously thinking she was just popping out for a short period and she'd be back and she'd, you know, put, them put away. everything away mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, that's really the last thing we know for certain is is that she was in that AIB bank branch. Now, after that, then, as I say, there's a couple of versions and a couple of, you know, sightings of her. And those sightings really start later that day uh, with her getting on the bus that travelled towards Enniskerry. And then there are other sightings then of her that were reported to the guards actually in Enniskerry later that day. So one of them was buying stamps um, at a post office. The other one, which appears to be new and only cropped up in an Archie documentary that was on uh, last week, is of a woman who says that her mom was working in Poppy's Cafe in Enniskerry at the time, that she was working today, Annie McCarrick v- uh, vanished, and that she was the last person she served in the cafe and that she was w- with a man um, in that cafe. And then we have another sizing then of her, which dates back to the time uh, she vanished. In Johnny Fox's pub that night, quite late that night, in Glen Cullen, which is about six kilometres from Enniskerry. So those sightings, as I say, they've all been reported to the guards. They've all been aired in, you know, the media reports for the last 30 years, really. But now the guardy don't believe she was ever in Johnny Fox's. My information is they never really believed she was there. They, you know, they accepted the person who came forward and placed her there was trying to help the guard inquiry, was a genuine, honest person. But they just think he didn't see her. He saw somebody else, American, you know, some other American woman. And then uh, the sightings in Enniskerry, I suppose they haven't been discounted completely, but there's no evidence, there's no firm evidence that Annie McCarrick was in Enniskerry that day. I mean, that's basically it. So if you say that the guards sort of knew or suspected all uh, all those years ago that she never was in Enniskerry, why then has the narrative been allowed to take hold that that was where she disappeared from? Well, with some of these cases, and obviously Annie McCarrick is one of a group of women who vanished back in the 90s in the eastern part of the country. I mean, it's a very broad area now. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not, it isn't a small area. It's very big. Um, in some of these cases, when the women disappeared, there was virtually no press about it. The Garda search for some of these women doesn't receive any grace coverage and is not high profile at the time. Um, I'm, I'm always struck, you know, when you go back through the paper archives, I'm always struck by how little media some of these cases generated at, at the time. Annie McCarrick's case was not like that. So her parents were very capable people. They were quite vocal people. They came over, they worked with the guards, they wanted answers off the guards. They did TV interviews, they did radio interviews. So I suppose 
some people are better, and it's a terrible thing to say, but some people are just better at kind of harnessing that media power and trying to use it to get PR for their case, to put pressure on the guards, to get out there, put more manpower on the case to try and, you know, find their loved one, basically. And the McCarricks were very good at that. So this case got a lot of publicity at the time. Um, a staff member in Johnny Fox's pub came forward, as I say, and placed her there that night. He was he was interviewed by the media then, uh, you know, radio, TV and so on. At that time, it was reported very widely that she'd been seen in Johnny Fox's. And I suppose it took the guards a while, you know, quite a long period of time. They had to explore the Johnny Fox's sighting. But then after a period of time, they kind of came to the conclusion, look, we don't think she was there. But by the time they came to that conclusion, even though it was in the same year that she actually vanished, the Johnny Fox's line was out there, that part of the story was out there, and it had simply caught hold. And even now, nobody from Angarda Shia has actually said anywhere on the record, we don't think she was in Johnny Fox's. So I'm saying that based on, you know, conversations I've had with Garda sources, because the guards can't come out and say something on the record unless they can kind of prove it, basically. And this this kind of aspect of the story about her being in the pub that night has been so widely reported. Um, they kind of need to have a very they need to have a very good reason, a very clear proof to come out and refute that part of the story on the record. It's it's a bit of a strange kind of situation. So when we think of the Johnny Fox's story. D- you know, taking legs and then running away with itself for 30 years. At the time of the disappearance, do you think that the Gardaí fully investigated the Dublin angle that they are now looking at now? I mean, I don't think the Johnny Fox's sighting was ever accepted wholesale at any time. I think it was always just, you know, reported as a sighting and nobody was sure if it was, you know, true or not. And I certainly think that the sightings of her there... Uh, as I say, in that pub and in Enniskerry on the day, it, it, it certainly drew a lot of Garda resources, public awareness and even search parties. I mean, pe- people turned up, you know, like regular people turned up and they joined search parties that were combing like parts of Wicklow and, you know, around Enniskerry and, you know, so that certainly was the focus at that time. I mean, those two areas were the focus at that time. But like... It, it, if she wasn't in Glen Cullen and if she wasn't in Enniskerry, a lot of media public, you know, a lot of media resources, a lot of Garda resources and search party resources were squandered on the wrong places, mm-hmm. right? And for example, the guards went out and they canvassed the general public in the Enniskerry area. Did you see her? You know, and even by placing those kind of resources in Enniskerry rather rather than in Sandy Mount, that's a problem. But certainly things like her apartment were certainly checked over. You know, her clothing was all searched and examined and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the people she shared the apartment were spoken to, friends of hers were spoken to and all of that. But certainly the public-facing part of the inquiry was very much based around Dennis Carey. I strongly suspect that was a distraction, but I can't be certain. I mean, we, we, like... We still don't know that she wasn't in Enniskerry mm. on the day. She may have been. Yeah. And even if you take Enniskerry out of the equation, I'm not sure there would have been a bre- breakthrough related to Sandy Mount at the time because I think there were strands in Sandy Mount, like friends of hers, people she worked with, uh, pe- as I say, people she shared her apartment with. Um, and they were spoken to and they were checked out and they just didn't know anything. So I think at the time, the guards did all they could in terms of what Gardy generally did then, if that case happened now, 
a much more robust and more probing approach would be taken to friends of hers, for example, um, and anybody she knew, be they be they friends, workmates, flatmates, anybody. And the guards would just drill down into those people a lot more now. I was struck by what you said about her family you know, putting pressure on the Gardaí when she disappeared. And I was also struck watching the really excellent uh, RT documentary on it um, about her mum, her mum sitting there telling the story and how how harrowing it must be have been for her over all the years. Has it been upgraded to a murder inquiry because of pressure again from America? My understanding is that's not the case now. Um, so Nancy McCarrick and his mom, as you say, she has been campaigning on this for years. I mean, your heart would go out to her, really, you know. I mean, her dad, John, passed away. He really worked tirelessly on the case. He was back and forward to Ireland all the time. Um, as, uh, of course, uh, as I th- probably any parent would, um, trying to cooperate with the guards, trying to, pr- you know, pressure the guards doing interviews. I'm sure he was sick of doing interviews on the TV, but he kept at it and at it. Um, so your heart would really go out to them. Nancy McCarrick did write to uh, Guard Commissioner Drew Harris a while back and asked that the inquiry be upgraded. But my understanding is that's not why it was upgraded. What happens in these cases is is that the serious crime uh, review team, which is effectively the Guard's cold case squad, they will do a review of a case. So they'll check back the evidence that they had 30 years ago, anything they've collected up since then, and they will um, they will then um, review all of that. Mm. And if they feel there's a prospect, based on what they know, that they can make a breakthrough in the case, they will make a recommendation that the, that the status of the inquiry be upgraded. Now, the reason why there has to be a prospect of a breakthrough is because when you upgrade an, inqu- an inquiry, the extra resources that, that, that are then available to the guards are, you know, like it's a lot of resources, lots of money, Lots of manpower. You've access to like even, you know, services that we don't have here. Very, I suppose, high tech technical services for enhancing CCTV images and going back over electronic records and all of that is available then to the inquiry Mm. team. So it boils down to are we going to spend all the money and are we going to invest all this time in this inquiry? And they will only say yes if there's a prospect of a breakthrough. And that's that's what we have here now. You've written about the ongoing interest the public has in the disappearance of a number of women in Ireland, many of them in the 1990s. You know, we know so many of the names so well, Fiona Sinnott, Josephine Dollard, Deirdre Jacob, and of course, Annie McCarrick. And in a lot of cases, you know, the Gardaí have a prime suspect, um, but lack evidence. Do you think that the lack of convictions in these cases has led to the growth of the idea in people's minds that these unrelated disappearances could somehow be linked or be the work of one person? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think, I mean, the Gardaí set up Operation Trace back in the late 90s. And what Operation Trace sought to do was, there was obviously public, you know, concern that these women had vanished. None of their remains was ever found. Um, And it was an unanswered question, you know, what's, you know, what's happened here? You know, where are these women? And what happened to them? Um, so there was a there was a guard operation, as I say, Operation Trace established back then too. And its its main job was to try and see were there any links between any of these cases. It concluded that there weren't. 
But looking back on it now, I nearly think by grouping all these cases under one operation, they it, that move nearly connected them even more in the minds of the public. And I think people, some people probably still think they are linked, but they're not. And I think where some of the Garda investigations into those cases fell down years ago, back in the 90s, was in some of the cases that women weren't reported missing for quite some time after they were last seen alive. You're looking at a week or two even. I, as far as I can recall, in one of the cases, it was about two weeks. Um, so that gives a per- that gives anybody who killed her a big head start. Um, in other cases then... I don't think any of the cases was really treated as a homicide from the off. And it it pretty much would be now. Even if it wasn't classified now as a homicide, the approach that would be taken would be like a, a homicide inquiry. All the resources, a lot of manpower would go into it straight away in that really important period for the day or two after, you know, any crime. And I think... I think the way the way the Gardaí were just much slower to kick into action like that back then is a problem. And if you look at homicide inquiries now generally, the guards solve far more of them now than they did back then, back in the 90s. Indeed, there are more homicides solved in Ireland than any other crime type. The reason for that is the level of resources that go into these inquiries is just huge. It's also hard to hide a homicide. I mean, you can hide you can hide like a dealing drugs, you know, snatching Frauds, handbags, loads of things. All, yeah, 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 all of those things. A homicide is completely different, obviously, but the main reason is just the resources that go into them are are, are just huge. And of course, what Gardy have now is they have things like everything from you know roadside cameras, CCTV cameras, people's mobile phones, their bank records, your phone bouncing off, you know, telephone masts, Wi-Fi signals and all of that. So it's really very hard now to lie about where you were and kind of get away with that because the minute Gardaí start, you know, harvesting CCTV around where you're from or where you work um, and they check your phone records and so on, you will be caught in a lie. Back in the 90s, even though we had mobile phones in, you know, more or less the mid-90s, not everybody had them. We didn't have things like broadband. There were very few CCTV cameras. There were no roadside cameras that, you know, automatically collected your car reg. So you could just get away with it easier then. And the fact that you could get away with killing a person and hiding a body easier back then, combined with the fact that the guards didn't kick into action as quickly back then as they would now, that really provided killers with a comfort zone back then that they just don't have now. And that's what happened really, I think. Um, I mean, if you look at these cases, as I say, there are clear suspects for all of them. You know, there always have been, bar the Annie McCarrick case. And now there's two men being treated as suspects. They're probably not as clear as in the other cases. cases, But the Annie McCarrick Garda investigation team is focused on those two men now. So if Annie McCarrick vanished now, I think the case would be solved. Thanks very much, Connor. That's it for today. For more Irish Times journalism, including Connor Lally's updates on the investigation into Annie McCarrick's disappearance, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. <laughs>